Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, not for call and response, but for the next 10 seconds, can you give God what he deserves? Not what you feel like, not what you've been through, not what it looks like. Come on, I need about, a, I need about 500 of you all to just lose your mind and give God glory on the level of your gratitude. If he's been good, then praise him. If he's been merciful, then thank him. If he's been kind, then lift him. Somebody is bold enough to throw your head back and forget about your neighbor and just shout, glory! Hallelujah. Slap three people high five and say, I'm going to get mine today. I'm going to get mine today. Push somebody on the other side and say, if you don't want yours, I'll take that too. If you're going to sit like a silent statue in this sanctuary, I'll take your break breakthrough, your healing, your miracle, your deliverance, your increase. If you're going to be quiet about it, just give it to me. I've been through too much to be this quiet. He's done too much for me to be this quiet. I just need the real radical praises. I want to see if it's like my church. I need the real radical praises to throw your head back and shout hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. Sit down if you can. It's another day's journey, and I am glad about it. My hope is that the, the song that this phenomenal brother, friend, I love this guy right here. I love this young man right here. I pray for him just like I'm praying for myself on a regular basis because he's such a special gift. He's such a special gift to the body of Jesus Christ. It's no pretense, it's no fluff, it's no extra. He is just himself all the time. Can you do me a favor before he walks out the door? Let him feel the love of the people. Yeah. I'll see you the next one, I love you man. And I know that you, uh, you may feel like popcorn, but I think it's worth it. Um, I think you should, I think, you know, I'm from the South. I'm from Arkansas originally. Yes, about 10 of us here. It's a good place to be from. Heavy on the from. <laughs> Can I get more meat in the wedges if possible? But I, uh, I'm from Arkansas originally, and there was a saying down south, it's a poor dog that won't wag his own tail. And so I, I, I say that as a precursor to this opportunity that you're about to receive now. Uh, you, you, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but when I was about 16, 17 years old, there was a member here, uh, Fred Cross, who used to uh, come home to visit his parents who were members of my dad's church. My dad pastored for 45 years, and uh, he brought VHS tapes home. And it was my first time being able to experience preaching that made me feel the way that I felt. And it was none other than your pastor walking across the floor, blessing God with a long stride. It was such an encouragement to me. It was the catalyst that actually even got me interested in preaching the way that I became interested in preaching. Uh, he, in large part, doesn't even realize the impact that he has had, not just on millions, but on my life. So as he has sown into me, God has given me grace to continue to impart his uh, word into others. And it's because of the preaching 
giant, the prowess, the incredible, incomparable uh, man of God that he is and the phenomenal founding pastor or founder, pastor, creator, uh, author. He is a, an originator, an innovator. He is an orchestrator. He is an organizer. He is an incredible, anointed, powerful, extraordinary, phenomenal, magnificent. Somebody already figured out who I'm talking about. Can you do yourselves a favor and praise God for your man and your woman of God that lead this awesome? No, let them feel it. Don't hate, celebrate. Yeah! We've come a long way from tapes. Can actually watch them on the World Wide Web now. To God be the glory. And then push your neighbor and say, we're 100 years old. I know I don't look like it. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10. Joshua, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10. What care you and Jason? I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I know y'all are waiting on me to sing my version of it. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come. To oh, I need the oh, I need the every hour, Lord, I need the oh, oh, bless. Bless me right now, my Savior. I come to and I need you. No. Every hour, Lord, right now I need thee, oh, we who are not ashamed to call on your name, Jesus, oh, oh, bless, bless me right now, my Savior, here I am, Jesus, I come. On behalf of my brothers and sisters in this room, God, I come. On behalf of my family right now, Jesus, we need you, we need you. I, I come to, to, to thee. Now don't wait till the battle is over. Don't wait on your neighbor's permission. Don't wait on somebody else to see what God is already about to do in your life. But give him glory like it's already done. Hallelujah. 
In Joshua, the first chapter, verses 1 through 10 from the New International Version, it reads as follows. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite countries of the Mediterranean Sea in the West. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I'll never leave you. Don't worry about it. I'll never forsake you. Be strong and courageous. You thought the first hundred was something. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Did you not hear me the first two times? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp tell the people get ready get your provisions ready three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own God give grace give preaching power you set it up and you sent me now have your way do it God in Jesus name amen amen look at your neighbor and tell them very poignantly uh, say I know that you're on the verge of something great now just take a second and let that sit in and see how they react. <laughs> Turn to somebody on the other side and say, they didn't believe me over there. <laughs> say, I know that you're on the verge of something great. Let's see if they believe you. We celebrate I am so honored to be here to celebrate 100 years of God's faithfulness, God's favor, God's keeping power, God's sustaining power, God's incredible capacity to lift, to bring, to pull, to, to push, to do all that he has done in order for you to make it 100 years. Please understand that the testimony or that the uh, statistics that were given uh, by a pastor a few moments ago are not fictitious, but those are literal closures. And to think that you are still open in Jesus' name after 100 years of faithful service is worthy of celebration. Over the years, I'm sure that not only have you seen extraordinary closures in the, in the land, but uh, there is a remarkable shift in how the church is functioning, how the church uh, is able to navigate the terrain of our contemporary culture. And it is no secret and no doubt to anyone that is a member of the house of faith or a believer in God that 
uh, church is viewed and church has to function and flow differently than it ever has before. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember when you could pray in school. Some of you are old enough to remember when they would actually have gospel choirs in the schools. Come on, somebody. And so things have changed. There, uh, there used to be a reverence uh, for the church. I remember, and I may be the only one here that had a drunk uncle, but I... Uh, tell your neighbor, take the price tag off. Don't get brand new. Yours is still drunk today. Yeah, but I remember my uncles, my, my, it's 14 on my mother, on my dad's side, eight on my mother's side, siblings, and so it's a lot of them. We, we don't die, we, we truly multiply. Like, and, and I remember that my uncles would, would get together and they would, they would have fellowship time uh, at my, my, my parents' house on the front porch. We had front porches down south, you know, big porches, and, and they would have fellowship time. And it wasn't, it, they wasn't sipping tea, it was... Uh, they had a brown bag, twist the top of it, they passed it around. Don't y'all front and act like y'all don't know what it means. Uh, let me catch that corner. And I had an uncle whose cigarette would hang off the side of his lip like this. He's like, hey, well, come here, come here, come here, let me talk to you. Come here, let me talk, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Come here. Cigarette just dancing. And I grew up in the church parsonage. I was literally right next door to the church. The church was here, my house was here. I was in the church parsonage. And so uh, when they would get ready to walk, if they saw my mother, my father coming home, everybody would vacate like roaches. I mean, everybody would just say, hey, hey, he, he's here, we got to go. And so they would walk off the porch and sometimes I would walk with them, you know, because I was learning. I didn't know what I was learning, but I was learning. And we walk off the porch and we go to the to stop next door. Uh, but but, but something, something spectacular would always take place. It was a phenomenon. It was a mystery, but it was, it was consistent. Uh, whenever we would leave the front porch, when they would turn right and begin to walk down the street, they would get to the point, I mean the actual corner of where the church actually starts. And at that moment, they would put cigarettes out. They would hide the bag. And I couldn't understand it, and I was, I was really thrown by it. Like, why do they put the cigarette out right here at this spot every time until one day I finally figured it out. Oh, they will not pass by the church with this kind of foolishness because there was a reverential respect for the house of God. No, 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 don't say that because we in front of the church. Now you're subject to show up at the church and they're drinking on the steps of the church. Come on, somebody. Things have changed. People protected the sanctity of the sacred. At a point in time, it, was, it used to be singling out of church people. When church people would come, everybody would know because everybody would make an announcement, hey, 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 the church folks is here. Now you can't tell the difference. Now there's no distinction in the beauty in the barbershop. You can't tell who's a believer and who's not a believer. But now I have to conclude it's been a long time coming, but I still believe that a change is going to come. You're on the verge of something great. You thought the first 100 years was incredible. God sent me with a prophetic word to encourage you to know that this next 100 years is going to be mind-blowing. When I look at my own life, I have, to, I have to conclude, God, have you been this good in this short period of time? I can't wait to see what you do in my latter years. 
The challenge that we have to conclude, and this, this is the, the thing that grips our heart, this is what's going to frustrate and, and cause us to even expand and enlarge and grow, because there is no growth without pain. And so here's what I want to prepare the house for, prepare the people of God for, because change is inevitable. It's going to come. And I need you to encourage your neighbor and, and just make sure that they are aware of this dynamic truth. Say, neighbor. neighbor. It's too late. If you don't like them, you shouldn't sit by them. You're there now. <laughs> look, look at them again and say, neighbor. neighbor. There's coming a shift. Don't be, Don't be alarmed, but shifting ain't easy. Shifting is two-dimensional. It involves two dynamics. It involves change and transition. There's a differentiation between change and transition. Change is the event. Transition is the actual mindset. Change is what's inevitable. Transition is the part that is optional. Change is what happens and transition is the emotion that is attached to what happened. Most people can't change because they can't deal with the emotional detachment in transition. In the text, you'll see that the statement was made, Moses, my servant is dead. That was a change statement. It gave indication and implication that a season, an era, a period of time has died. When you look at the state and the condition of the church, we don't do church the same way that we used to do church. An era, a period, a strategy, an approach has died. The change was that Moses was dead, but the transition was that Joshua was now the new leader. And now people have to acclimate to Joshua and his assignment. Moses' assignment has ended and Joshua's assignment is now beginning. The change has happened and now transition has to take place. One of the things that keeps us from confronting and living victoriously, one of the things that keeps the church impotent and, and, in a, and unable to, to maximize its potential is that we can't handle transition. If I come to you and I say, listen, for the next month or two, Pastor Johnson is not going to be preaching. That is the change. We will accept the change because whether we like it or not, Pastor Johnson won't be preaching for the next two months. The transition is that somebody else will be preaching and we will have to accept that person and the word that they bring. Here's the challenge. We will accept the change, but if I come and say, pastor won't be preaching for the next two months, there's a whole lot of y'all that won't make the transition. Like, no, I ain't going back. Who preaching? You can guarantee that by the time y'all get out of here, some people in the next services have already reached out and said, who preached today? Because we can't handle the transition because we're so emotionally invested to the thing that has changed. Here's the danger of this. A lot of times we fall in love with where God was and miss where God is. Push your neighbor and say, he preaching to you right now. 
Some of y'all are old enough to remember when we did devotion. Yeah. I love the Lord, he heard my cry. No, don't y'all get started. I felt it coming, I felt it coming. Somebody said, ah, I've been waiting on this. Been too long, all this new stuff. We went from devotion to praise and worship. We went from choirs to praise teams. Y'all come on and talk with me. In the process of the change, a lot of people get stuck and never make the transition so you miss a move of God. All because you're emotionally attached to what was instead of being invested in what is. Here's what the text says, here's what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time for everything. And a season for every activity under heaven is a time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to uproot, time to kill, time to heal, time to tear down, to build, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to dance, time to scatter stones, time to gather them, embrace, time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, time to give up, time to keep a time, and time to throw away, time to tear, time to mend, time to be silent, time to speak, time to love, time to hate, time for war, time for peace. There's a time for everything. Now I need you to say this to your neighbor but I need you to say it slow. Did you hear what I said? Say it slow. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, shift happens. Now y'all see why I said say it slow. I don't want nobody messing up in here. Help us, Jesus. See, God will bring about a call, but we won't meet the conditions. The change is inevitable, but we have to make the transition by meeting the conditions that are given by God. There's a change which brings a need for transition, and it follows a command that is given, rather, uh, that follows, rather, is followed by a transition or a condition. For Abraham, he says, go to the land that I will show you. But here's the condition, leave everything that you know behind. For Israel, he says, I'll free you from slavery. But here's what you got to do. Leave your old mindset. Don't, be, don't come out here as a slave, but come out as a warrior. They couldn't even meet the condition, so they missed their opportunity to experience what God had in front of them. He's a now, then, if, then, get ready kind of God. Here's a couple of truths that I want to leave with you right quick. First of all, you will be blessed on the level of your preparation. Verse 3 says, I'll give you every place that your foot trod, as I promised. I'll, your territory will extend from the desert all the way to the great river, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The level you're preparing for will be the level at which you prosper. If you're not getting ready for increase, then you're going to miss increase when it comes through. That's one indictment that I have on the widow that, that had the jars that, that, that were being poured into. If God, who created everything, sent you word through the messenger of God to get ready, then why in the world would you stop at a few jars? If you knew what God was about to do, 
you would still be knocking on doors saying, God, I'm getting ready. You're such an incredible God, exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think that I can't just prepare for a little because you're a mind-blowing kind of God. You are pressed down so you can get some more in there, shaken together so there are no air pockets running over kind of God. And if you've done it before, then I know that what you're about to do is greater later because you said my latter shall be greater than my former. In other words, I can't stop and be prepared to receive at this level. I need you to blow my mind. How do you know somebody is ready? By the evidence of their confidence and that's by the magnitude of their praise. You know somebody is ready when they don't have to see it before they see it. When they can praise God when it ain't in the bank. When they can thank God when they haven't walked in the manifestation of healing. When they can give God glory in advance. I need about a hundred people to give God glory on the level of your expectation. If you knew what God was about to do in my life, you would have praised him for me. You will be blessed on the level of your preparation. The second thing is that you will continue. You will have opposition. In verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He encouraged them in advance because he knew that as you walk closer to the promise, you're walking closer to the problem. The enemy guards God's glory, his promise, as fiercely as he can because he does not want you to maintain hope. If you keep hope, you might have faith. And faith is what pleases God, but faith is what yields the enemy powerless. Now faith is the substance of things that you hope for. So he has to hit you with everything that he has in order to kill your hope. Because if he kills your hope, he destroys your faith. Tell your neighbor, keep hope alive. Just because I'm worshiping God does not mean there won't be warfare. The problem is we, we want to be worshipers but don't realize our worship is warfare. That if we really want to war against the enemy, we got to learn how to get in the face of God. We need the power of God. We need the grace of God. We need the glory of God. Now we need the promise of God. The promise of God is very simple. It says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nobody will win over you. You will be victorious. You will be victorious. I don't care what it looks like. You will be victorious. I don't care how bad it is. You will be victorious. I don't care what the doctor said. You will be victorious. Forget about your haters nipping at your heels. You will be victorious. I'm going to blow your mind despite I have to let it happen this way because I don't want you to take credit for what I'm about to do in your life. You will be victorious. Verse 10, so Joshua ordered the officers of the troop, go through the camp. Tell everybody, get ready. Three days from now, I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to cross you over into the land that I promised your mother and your father, your grandfather and your grandmother. I'm going to do something in this next hundred years that I haven't done in the last hundred years. They sold into what I'm about to bring you into. They te their tears, they, their tears water the ground into what I'm about to take you in. What you're about to see in the next hundred is going to make what they prayed about worth you seeing it. 
First thing that he says is proclaim. I have to start talking like what I heard God say. You got to watch your mouth. Proclaim. Then you got to pursue. It's not going to fall in your lap. Go get it. And then I love it because at the end, he says, you're about to take possession of the land that the Lord has given you for your own. Praise for the possession is certain. Uh, proclaim. Go tell everybody. Get ready. Pursue. Go after it. And don't wait till you get it. Praise because you know that it's coming. Let me do it one more time. Proclaim. You got to go tell everybody, get ready. Go home tonight. Tell your kids, get ready. Call your family members and say, hey, y'all prepare. God has shown me something in today's service that I didn't know was coming. He's about to blow our minds. I thought I was at the end, but God says, no, you at the beginning. The most dangerous time in the history of mankind is right after a great victory. You've won 100 years. You've been successful and victorious for 100 years. And God says, don't get complacent. Don't get caught up in the celebration that you miss. I ain't finished yet. You just finished the first act. But when I get ready to turn the corner on tomorrow, I'm going to blow your mind. Get ready for what God is about to do. You thought you were coasting downhill. I'm the kind of God that'll send a fresh wind and push you back up. And I'll take you higher this time than I ever took you the last time. Get ready. Pursue it. Go after it. Don't sit idly and don't wait on your neighbor. My praise is going to go to a next level. I know we don't praise God like that in this service. This is the bougie service. But don't worry about your neighbor because your neighbor will have to scratch their head and try to figure out how in the world did your ladder become greater than your former? How in the world did your next chapter look better than your last chapter? How in the world did you make it through what you made it through? How in the world are you still alive? How in the world are you still in your right mind? I need some people in here that know God is able. Don't wait on your neighbor, but go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Go get it. And praise for possession. So here it is. This is unorthodox, and this is probably extraordinary. I may not be homiletically and hermeneutically correct. But let me drop this on you parenthetically. Here is a prophetic word that God dropped in my spirit to give you today. In Isaiah 43rd chapter, verse 18 and 19, it says this, Do not remember the former things. I know that it's been a hundred years of favor and success. I can look at you. Y'all look successful. You look prosperous. All first services are like that. <laughs> Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Don't get so comfortable in what God has already done that you miss what he's about to do. Behold, I will do... Some of y'all read the text. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Then he asked the question, can't you see it? I'll even make a road in the desert wilderness and a river in the desert behold i will do a new thing let me say it to you eastern star he says behold i'm about to do a new thing 
Y'all thought I was good last hundred years. You can't wait to see what God is about to say and do in this new season. Behold, I will do a... Let me try it one more time for this room over here, this side of the room over here. It, it, it was good last season. It was good last year. It was, it was good, but it's going to be great in the next season. Behold, I will do a... Let me see if my choir is awake right here. I know that you sang good the last season. I know that the stand looks full, but I can't wait to see when people are wrapped around on the floor because he's sending increase. He's sending favor. I can't wait to see when choir rehearsal don't look like it used to look, but it's a worship service. It's an encounter. It's an experience with God. Behold, I will do a... Can I talk to my deacons for a minute? I know that you've had a great run and God has been so good. But I can't wait to see how the power of God hits this front row just as strong as it hits the people in the back. Behold, I will do a... And I'll leave you with this question. What new thing is he about to do? What new thing? We know that text and we get excited because he says, Behold, I will do a new thing i know it's a change and you're gonna have to make the transition in order to receive it but he says if you'll make the transition i'm going to do a new thing well what new thing are you going to do god nobody really asked that question we get excited and shout over the fact that it's a new thing but trust me you want to know what the new thing he's about to do is first of all he says i'll protect you from the jackals and the ostrich i'll protect you from the dragons and the owls in other words I'll protect you from the wild things whenever the enemy comes and wild things are attacking you on every side he says don't worry about it because when I bring you into your next chapter the wild things are going to have to bow down and be subjected to my authority things that come to eat of your flesh you're gonna be able to step back and watch them stumble and fall I know they're coming but don't worry about it I got you in your new season what else is he going to do he says I put a wilderness a road in the wilderness now pay attention because when he was bringing Israel out of bondage when they were coming out of the, the exile he had to take them from the place of their exile in Babylon all the way back to their home territory and in order to do so he had to take them through hundreds of miles of wilderness but he he says I know it seems like a long distance but don't worry about it because what I'm gonna do in this next season is I'm gonna give a whole lot of shortcuts and you thought it's going to take you 30 years to accomplish it but what takes some people 30 years if you hold on long enough when I bring you into the new season I'm gonna do it as quickly as you can blink your eye I'm about to give you some shortcuts I know it took them 20 years but I'm gonna do it for you in two months I know you thought it was a 30-year mortgage but I'm gonna pay that thing off in three days I'm just that kind of God I'm gonna 
drop some shortcuts, some shortcuts, some shortcuts. Well, pastor, what's the last thing that he promised? He says, I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll make a road in the wilderness, but I'm also going to put rivers in the desert. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense to me, God. I know that you said I got to accept the transition and you're about to make the change, but I, I, can't, I can't say that I've ever seen a river or water in a desert. That just does not make sense. He said, indeed. No, I said, you don't understand what I'm saying, God. I'm trying to tell you. I don't get it. I don't see how in the world you're going to put a river in the desert. He said, exactly. I said, no, God. I'm pleading with you. Help me to understand what you're saying because what you're saying just does not make logical sense. He said, exactly. That's what I'm trying to tell you. What I'm going to do in this next season is going to be so mind-blowing. It's going to be like nothing you have ever seen before. I, I wish I had some people here that can see what God has said. Don't wait on your neighbor to catch on. Don't wait on your road to catch on. But if you receive this word in your household, if you receive this word for your children, if you receive this word, then open your mouths and bless his Thank <laughs> you.